favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. there. Welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski, and this is podcast episode 40. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have Amish fiction author Laura Blunt. Laura writes captivating romances full of grit and grace with characters who walk right off the page and into your heart. Good morning, Laura. How are you today? I am fine, Tracy. How are you? I am doing wonderful. And thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to hear about your new story that you're about ready to release called The Strength in the Storm. And we've talked a little bit about it, and I am very excited to hear more about it. And hopefully our listeners are too. But before we get started, our listeners really like to step in the lives of some of their favorite authors. So if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about your writing career. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. The first question I have for you today is how about you describe a typical writing day for us? Well, a typical day. I have um, two kids that I homeschool and I live on a little hobby farm, so I'm not sure that there is a typical day. (laughs) There are days. I don't know how typical they are. But normally I get up about 5 a.m. and I make coffee, which is really important. I I listen to Mindy Steele, your interview with her, and I noticed that was one of the first things she said. You have to have coffee. I think that's a that's a universal thing. And then I have some quiet time and then I begin writing around 630. And I usually write until about 1130 in the morning. Uh, I do my hard stuff first. And during that time, uh, often I'll do some writing sprints with my critique partner who also writes Amish fiction. It's Amy Grochowski. And we Zoom together and do sprints, which keeps us accountable and off social media, which is always good. (laughs) (laughs) That's a struggle. And then about 1130, I'll break and I homeschool. I have two kids left at home that I'm homeschooling through high school. And so we work together. And about usually three o'clock in the afternoon, I come back in until five and work some more. Well, that sounds a lot like my day, <laughs> so, but it's it's so cool to hear um, how everybody else, how, how how other authors approach their writing days. And, you know, there are some days, I don't know about you, but there, there are lots of days that I don't have to write. You know, there's other other jobs and other duties and marketing and editing and all of the oh, yeah. other things that come along with writing that um, there are days that that we don't have to write, which are um fun as well. Mm-hmm. So tell us, um, what is or was your favorite part and your least favorite part of the publishing journey? Well, you know, I think my favorite part, and there's so much that I love about writing and publishing, but one of my favorite things is when a story is like brand new. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. When the story is all sparkly and you're just getting started and all the ideas are coming in and everything is just so much fun and, and you're having a ball with the story. And that's definitely one of my favorite parts. And another favorite part would be the relationships that develop as a writer. I have, I've loved getting to know readers and meeting them at events like the one that where we met each other in Shipshawana and also getting to know other writers like you. I have formed some amazing friendships with some really fascinating people. And that is a wonderful richness, you know, that writing brings to my life. It certainly does. You know, we are surrounded with Christian 
fiction writers. And there's not a lot of um, animosity and um, jealousy between us. Not that I've ever seen. And I'm so thankful to be surrounded by a group of authors who are just so loving and caring. And I totally agree that that we get to surround ourselves with some really wonderful people. And that makes writing so worth it for me. It absolutely does. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the Christian writing community is so wonderful. It's a wonderful environment to work in. And as far as the worst goes, um, I think I, I think one of the hardest things has been to, you know, life sometimes throws you some curveballs. And I think over the past few years, as we've all dealt with everything going on in the world, there are times when writing is difficult. Writing is, is a creative process, and there are times when things are going on in your life, when you're struggling with an illness or you have a loved one who's ill, that it's very hard to muster up the perseverance to just keep going and to keep producing and keep creating. And sometimes that feels a little bit like a slog. You know, sometimes you <laughs> just have to keep going and put your head down, and sometimes that can really be a challenge. It certainly can. And it's no different than if we had a nine to five job. You know, there were exactly. days when I worked when I wasn't working for myself where I had to go out for a job. And those days you just didn't want to be at work. It's the same with writing. There are days when you exactly. probably shouldn't be writing <laughs> if you feel that way. You could have feel that way. That's a good point. It is. All right. So describe to our listeners your perfect book, Hero or Heroine. Well, you know, let's go with the hero because I think with, especially with romance, the fun of it is that you fall in love with the hero right alongside the heroine. And I mean, I want my heroines to be likable and relatable and, and fun. And, um, but we really are looking at the hero through her eyes. And I think that's so special with heroes. I love heroes who have great hearts, who have strong hearts. A hero for me is defined by how he loves. And not only how he loves the heroine, you know, but also how he loves the Lord, his um, community, his friends, and how we see that him walking that out in his life. And I love heroes who uh, have strength, you know, physical strength, but also strength in their in their makeup, like who have integrity and uh, who have a servant's heart for the people around them. And I think those people, and I love them to be real. I like people who, who feel like real people, you know, who have their little faults and their little oddities and their little um, unusual quirks. I love that too. Well, I, that is absolutely perfect. And I'm going to ask you a question um, and, and I hope you can answer me. But um, so when I write in a man's perspective, Lots of times I'll, I'll ask my husband, Craig, I said, can you read this? And he often comes back and says, a man would not say that, you know, <laughs> or that we don't think that way, or that's too wordy, or, you know, bring it back some. So I love that my husband can walk this journey with me and give me the insight in a man's view, because we're women. We, we feel the emotion that a woman could feel because <laughs> we deal with it every day. But in a man's world, Often I have to get inside my husband Craig's head in order to make sure this person is real. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you ever approach a hero like that? I'll tell you, I do actually. I, I don't, I'm just like you. I want my guys to sound like guys. And I think men and women do think differently. And I, one of my kind of pet peeves is when a hero doesn't sound like a guy, you know, when he, when he's thinking like a woman and, um, 
um, I'm helped by the fact now my husband is not going he's not much you know he's he's not going to read my books he's he is more of a he he's more of a external help there but he is a guy's guy 100% and so a lot of times I'll think what would David say how would he say this and I'll tell you what I have put a little bit of my husband in every single hero I've written <laughs> me <But> too I, <laughs> me too I think that's how come we fall in love with him because we're we're writing in our real life heroes in there too. But he his knowing having I've been married now for going on thirty four years, so I've spent a lot of time watching this particular guy and um, learning how he thinks as best we can. Of course, that's always somewhat of a mystery, but <laughs> but he's helped me tremendously that way, learning how to see the world through a guy's eyes. I do. And, you know, I've, I, Craig does not read all of my books either. And I usually just give him a paragraph or two to read, you know, because it, he, he would probably dig his eyeballs out of me <laughs> to read what what we write because it's so unlike anything he would read. Exactly. But one, one time in one of my books, I can't even remember which one it was. Um, I had had him read a paragraph mainly because I wanted to see if he remembered saying what I put in there but when but when we were first dating before he had come and told me that he loved me he said to me one time you make me feel all warm and fuzzy so I mean he was not one to show his emotion you know he he was a man he was Mm. in his 30s you know he was not going to show he's got to be a tough guy but in one week moment, he said, you make me feel all warm and fuzzy. So I'd written that in one of my stories. One of my my men in the book um, said that. And I just wanted to see if he remembered it. And he said, after he read it, he said, how many more of my quotes are in your books? <laughs> I said, I don't know. Too many. You'd, you'd have to read them to find out. And he just sort of laughed and walked away. But Exactly. I've had people tell me who know my husband and read my books. They say, this is so much like him. Does he know that you put all this in here? And I'm like, no, not really. But, you know, but you have to you have to I don't know about you, but you have to envision somebody in your head when you're writing it. Usually I find a picture of somebody, you know, so I can describe their hair or, you know, their eyes or their, the way their chin is etched or whatever. But often I put men that are in my lives as one of my men, you know, my, my son-in-law or my son, or even my dad has come out in some of the stories, you know, Um, but especially men, women, I can get in their heads, but especially Mm -hmm. men, I have to watch their mannerisms, how they speak, how they carry themselves. So almost every one of my male characters in all of my books, I could pinpoint and say, which man in my life um, has that has their characteristics. That's the inspiration. Exactly. And I do the exact same thing. I do the exact same thing. And it's so helpful. It is. And that's how we make our characters real. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do. I think so. I think you're absolutely right. I think when you have, or have inspiration from real life, then it sort of comes across. It does. It does. Okay. One more question about your writing career. Tell me how many plot ideas are just waiting to be written. And can you tell us about one in particular? Well, plot ideas. Oh my goodness. I don't know about you, Tracy. I have so many. I, it's like the books that I have. I'm never going to get around to all of them. They're, they're just everywhere. I keep a file folder actually called story seeds. And when I have an idea, I just jot it down really quickly so that you don't forget it. And I put it in that folder. And when I'm prospecting for a new story, I'll go through it and see if anything sort of catches me. And so often 
it does. You know, I love I love the process of coming up with new ideas. As far as uh, one that I'm developing right now, of course, I'm I'm on I've got some deadlines, so I'm pretty focused on those at the moment. The I'm about to start the fourth book and the last in the John's Mill Amish series, and it's due into my editor in August. And this one is going to be the story of a prodigal husband, a man who joined the Amish church because he was in love with a girl. And so that was sort of a flimsy um, reason, you know, to, to base, to base a whole life of faith. And, and in, when trouble came, as trouble tends to do, that fell apart. And so now he's coming home. He left, he's coming home. And writing that story is going to be interesting, I think. I think it's going to explore a lot of interesting topics about restoration and forgiveness and, and how we can rebuild and make things stronger than they were before. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. And that takes us right into your new release. And tell us when it's going to release. It's called Strength in the Storm. Right. And it it releases on February the 22nd. So not too far in the future. Not too far in the future. Okay, we will be looking for it. So before I ask you some specific questions about Strength in the Storm, I'm going to go ahead and read your back matter just to set the stage. In this touching Amish romance, a broken-hearted woman and a steadfast man discover the safest place to weather tragedy in each other's arms. After the murder of both her parents, Emmon Hostetler returns to the small community of John's Mill, hoping to resume her quiet existence. Reclaiming her place proves harder than expected, especially now that a movie is being made about her family's loss. But then an old friend offers her a lifeline that gives her new purpose. Amish builder Samuel Krishner is the biggest and the strongest man in town. In fact, the gentle giant has only one weakness, Emma. Even though she broke his heart, he won't let his childhood sweetheart face her troubles alone. He hires Emma as a nurse for his elderly aunt and finds himself falling for her all over again. But while romance blooms, storm clouds gather, and when darkness falls, it will take all Sam's strength and all their love to see them through. That sounds like a wonderful story, Laurel. I can't wait to ask you some questions about it. First being, where did you draw inspiration for from for this story? Well, you know, I think the, the whole John Smill Amish series, I think the inspiration comes from the concept that it's when trouble comes that the beauty of love and and faith really shine through you know sort of like how they put diamonds against like black velvet to show them off it's when the world is dark that's when the real value of your faith and your friends and and your loved ones they really they really shine and so setting these stories against a tragic event and then showing how each one of these four siblings deals with this and how their faith is tested and then strengthened and how love finds them even in these difficult situations like Emma's and, and in the stories also Sam's. I think that that, that is sort of a, an inspiring thing and something that, that we could all kind of cling to when things get difficult. I can't wait to read this. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> so tell me, did you have to do any research for this particular story? I sure did. I am not that smart. I have to do research for every story I do. And I sure had to do some for this one. Um, 
one of the things that I had to research is horses. I don't, I don't have a horse. I have other animals, but I don't have a horse. And so I had to confer. There's some horse scenes and that are pretty intense in this, in this story. And so I conferred with a friend of mine who is very knowledgeable about horses and also with a veterinarian who very kindly read each scene that involved the horses and made sure that I was on target. And I also, we have um, an accident in the story that results in some injuries. And I consulted with a doctor about the specific injuries in the story as well to make sure that I understood the prognosis and the procedure of recovery and those kind of things. And of course, always when I'm writing an Amish story, I check with a friend of mine who is formerly Amish and she helps me to make sure that what I'm writing, even though my community is a fictional community, but she makes sure that what I'm writing is in harmony with Amish lifestyle and values and, um, you know, that sort of thing. Those are perfect. You know, I, I have a couple Amish friends and I grew up in Amish country. I was in between three Amish communities in northwestern Pennsylvania. Oh. So I have my life has always been um, surrounded by that community. Um, so I have a, a folder full, not really a folder full, but at my fingertips, I have people at my disposal that I can always ask very specific questions, because just like you, I want my books to be and my story to be authentic and it sounds like you do as well so I I was going to ask you to tell us a little bit about um, your story but I think I'm going to wait because I believe that you're going to read us a little bit of your story so I'm going to skip to my next question and ask you if this story was made into a movie who would the celebrities be that would star in it you know, that is a tricky question. I am, I don't watch much movies and television nowadays. And so I really had to think about that a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's hard to pick because, you know, as authors, we have such specific pictures in our heads of these characters. It's very difficult to think of who, who would be the closest. But I think for Sam, I would pick, um, Chris Hemsworth, who is Thor. <laughs> You know, sort of yep. big and burly and blonde mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. strong. And then for Miriam, I mean, not for Miriam, excuse me, for Emma, I don't know. I I, I really think I would struggle with her. Um, I can't really think of a perfect person. Uh, Emma Thompson comes to mind, but she might be a little old for that role. But um, I don't know. It's, it's very hard to choose. Well, I'm, my head's just a spin in trying to come up with somebody that... Um... Who could play her? And you're right. I can think of older actresses, but but nobody comes well, to mind. I'm older myself, so in my mind, these these are young women, you know, still. So they seem perfect to me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, that leads us in. How about you go ahead and read us um, just a few paragraphs of a scene that um, might really give us some insight to your story? All right. I'm going to start at the very beginning here. Okay. The little everyday memories always hurt the most. Emma Hochstetler knew that well enough. Ever since the shock of her parents' death six months ago, she'd gone teary-eyed over the strangest things. Like today, here she sat on a busy June morning, sniffling over a battered egg basket. It was a foolish waste of time, she knew, but still, she couldn't help it. She hadn't seen this one coming. She'd passed the daily chore of chicken tending to her younger sister Miriam years ago. And to be honest, she hadn't given the egg basket much thought since. But just now, when Emma had pulled it from its shelf, the handle had fit her hand with such heartbreaking familiarity that she'd been brought up short. For a finger snap of time, standing there on the back porch of the farmhouse, she'd been a happy little girl again. 
her sheltered world still shining and unbroken. The doorknob rattled behind her and she blotted her eyes with the back of one hand. She couldn't let the family see her crying. It would worry them. The least she could do, the very least, considering the circumstances, was not to add to their pain by giving in to her own. Emma, was ist letz? Her new sister-in-law stood in the kitchen doorway, a broom in one hand and a concerned look on her kind face. Nothing's wrong, Naomi. Emma forced a smile, except I'm sitting here wool-gathering when we have such a full morning ahead of us. She brandished the basket. I'm off to the coop, and then I'll be ready to help you pick the cucumbers. Naomi's brow puckered. You're seeing to the chickens? Yeah. This time, Emma's smile came more easily. I thought I'd take the job off your hands. You're doing more than your share already. This was true. Her brother Joseph had chosen well. Not only was Naomi sweethearted and devoted to her new husband, but she was patient and hardworking, a welcome addition to a family who'd weathered so many troubles. Since your heart operation, I've had to scramble to find any chores left to do. I like to work, Naomi said. After so many years of being sickly, it's a blessing for me to finally be able to do for other folks. But it used to be Miriam's job to tend to the hens, ain't so? Back before, I mean. Joseph told me it was her favorite chore. Yeah, it was. Emma's lips curved at the memory. It wasn't mine, so I was happy enough to pass it off to her once Ma'am said I could. They're a messy job, the chickens, but Miriam never minded. She knew all the hens' personalities, and she liked to name them after our friends. Ma'am fussed about that. She didn't think it sounded kind when Miriam would suggest we stew Mullen's Betty for supper because she'd started pecking eggs. Oh, that was funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. Thank you for doing that for us, Laurel. Oh, you're welcome. So your your this particular story releases on February 22nd. So how about you tell our readers where is is it up for pre-order right now? Can they pre-order it? It is. It's up on pre up for pre-order on Amazon and of course all the other Barnes and Noble, all the other sites as well. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely available. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about your current project. So what are you working on right now? And can you share it with our listeners? Well, right now I am working on the third book in the Johns Mill series, which is called Courage in the Storm. And this is Miriam's story, the one who was the egg tender in this story, um, the chicken tender. She is uh, she is getting her happily ever after. This story is coming out this November. And I've got a deadline actually at the end of January, on January 31st for that. So oh that, that's what I'm working on right now is getting that book revised and back to my editor. That's what you're working on this week. That's <laughs> what I'm working on this week. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. So tell us, is there anything you'd like to say to your readers? Um, yes, I'd love to connect with my readers. Like I said before, my readers are getting to know my readers is one of my most favorite things about writing. And I'm most active on Facebook usually, but I also have a reader newsletter that goes out. I have a lot of fun with that. I love my subscribers, and I try to spoil them rotten. So we usually have a lot of subscriber-exclusive giveaways. I always do sneak peeks and cover reveals there, and uh, we just have a lot of fun. I also share recipes about every month. I, I like to cook. I'm not a fancy cook. I'm a family cook, but I love cooking, and I usually share something tried and true. And if they're interested, they can find a sign-up on my website, which is laurelbluntbooks.com. Thank you. Thank you. So before we sign off, I love to leave with just a little up note. And I like to ask some silly questions just so that we can get to the heart of the authors that I interview. So the first question I have for you is if you could ask God one question, what would it be? 
you know, I thought about, I, I don't know. One question, I, I ask God questions every day. Um, I ask, I, I ask all kinds of questions. I talk to God about big things and small things and anything at all. So I, I honestly don't know one question I would ask because I think of half a dozen questions every day, at least that I ask God. My husband, I asked him that once and he said, why did they make, why did he make fire ants? <laughs> My husband hates fire <laughs> ants. History. I, I'll give him that one. <laughs> yeah. So how, tell us how many books you own. Well, you know, actually, I may need to revise my first answer because that is the question for God, because right now he's the only one who knows the answer to that. I don't know how many books I have. I have about six very large bookcases that are full. Um, I love books. I, I love having them around me. I love reading them. And I just I've always loved books and been an avid reader. And I don't think a house is a home if it doesn't have plenty of books in it. Ditto. I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us, do you have a motto you live by and can you share it with us? Well, you know, that's a good question. I think my basic life motto is is just comes from what Jesus told us, you know, love God and love other people. Uh, if I had to talk about a, a, a different motto from that, I think one of my favorites is a reminder I have to give myself frequently, which is don't major in the minors. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's just a exactly. reminder yeah, to keep keep the things that are the most important, your top priorities, and don't get distracted by the things that are clamoring for your attention. That was a perfect way to end our interview. Thank you. I want to thank you for spending time with us this week, and I look forward to reading all your new projects. That wraps up this episode, and I encourage you to visit my website at tracyfredikowski.com to see a complete list some of your favorite Amish fiction authors, and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape.